realize I have a process when it comes to reading books. Um, I often read a fiction and nonfiction book at the same time, but fiction, the fake ones, that's how I remember it, fiction, fake, um, nonfiction, not fake, the fiction ones, I like to read an actual book. So right now I'm reading uh, The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. My go-to tends to be World War II fiction. Not really sure what's about that because it's often very sad. So I can't read them back to back, but really intriguing. So I'm a library girl as well. So I try to check things out from the library. I don't like a lot of things in my house. Um, so I love the idea of getting a book, reading it, and then returning it so it's not I don't have stacks of books everywhere. But then when it comes to business books, I almost always listen to them on Audible. And I think it's because I tend to fall asleep um, when it's, you know, a lot of strategic thinking or concepts, theories, things like that. I'm currently just started this a couple days ago, a $100 million offer by Alex Hermosi. And it's funny because this has been in my Audible library for a while. And then uh, last week, two different people recommended this. And I was like, okay, now it's time to, uh, to read it. And in it, he says, it's really helpful if you get the book, you like follow along while you're listening to it. So I grabbed it off of Amazon and I'm already sticking noting things, which I don't typically do. So that's my nonfiction one that I'm kind of breaking my rule. I'm listening to it and I'm reading it, uh, but it is actually quite short. Uh, but the book at hand that we're gonna talk about is Amy Porterfield's book, Two Weeks Notice. Um, I actually did check this one out from the library but the hard copy also showed up my doorstep. So I don't know who sent it to me. I have the Audible version. I did the library version and now I have the printed version too. Um, so maybe that was Team Porterfield. Thank you if that was you. Um, so I wanted to talk about it because it really got me thinking about my journey uh, as an entrepreneur starting my business nearly five years ago. And it probably is related, relatable to your journey as well. And there's a couple distinctions that I wanna pick out between a business owner and a course creator. Um, so I wanna share my thoughts on the book, share my experience, um, which you might find fun or helpful on how I started this business. And then there's one part that I don't necessarily agree with. And um, I'm not here to like bash Amy or anything. I love her to death, but there's one part that it just, it hit me differently than what I expected. So we'll get into that. Um, if we haven't met before, I'm Chelsea Hayes, the Course Pro. I help entrepreneurs live launch their digital courses using email campaigns and live webinars. Kajabi is our platform of choice. And I have been a student of Amy Porterfield's since 2019. I've follow pretty much everything that she does and she teaches. Um, I have been able to be in her community. I've done a few trainings inside of her private programs and private courses, Digital Course Academy. I was an advisor for her. Um, I was also a course coach for her beta launch of her Den With You program that she launched this past winter. So I have been able to um, connect with Team Porterfield on a few different projects, which has been really fun. So reading the book or listening to the book, I'm hearing Amy's voice. I it just, I felt very proud. And I'm like, that's not really my place to feel proud for her. But I was, I felt very proud that she has this book and this dream. And she even talks about like the realness of creating something like a book and all the thoughts that go in your head on 
imposter syndrome, I'm not good enough, and all of that. The funny thing is, when I first heard of Amy Porterfield, it was like the summer of 2019. Um, I had signed up for a conference in November of that year, and she was one of the speakers. And the friend that I was going with said, oh yeah, Amy Porterfield speaking. I love her. I want to come to this conference too. Like that's how we decided to go together. And I thought, who is Amy Porterfield? I'd never heard of her before. And so I'm starting to like search her, follow her on social media. And I searched for her book all over the place on Audible, on Amazon, on websites. And I was like, why can't I find her book? Because I had done that with the other speakers there, um, Brennan Bruchard, Dean Graziosi. I'm like, where's her book? And seriously, it took me way too long to figure this out that she hadn't written a book yet. I just assumed that she had a book because she was speaking on this huge stage. Um, and so it was really cool to like have this full circle moment of uh, like we in her community know that she is capable of so much because we've learned from her for years and now it is has come into fruition. So quick thoughts um, from the book. This is a must read twice book. This is like a, you read it one time to just understand the concepts and then you have to read it again to go through. It is the most step-by-step -step book I have ever read. And I say read, even though I listen to it, but most step-by-step. Like it gives you a breakdown of exactly what you need to do. So it's a must read twice book. I also think it's a really good reminder if you are established uh, with your online business to go back to the basics. Who is your ideal customer avatar? You know, do you have a lead magnet that's focused on your course? What you created last year or two years ago may not be the most up-to-date version of what you could do. Um, also, like, I love the idea that she shares um, a little bit towards the end, the workshop idea, um, just to really like make it simple on yourself, put out a, a paid workshop and see, like use that as momentum to continue going, to have um, engagement with your audience and putting something out that people actually paid for. So I really, I really like those steps and I think it's helpful to like come back to the basics no matter where you are in business. Um, the thing that I kept thinking about over and over and over again when listening to the book was my own experience starting a business. Because it's been five years, almost five years, I'm recording this April 2023 and April 2018, that's when I'd made the decision that I wanted to start my business. Um, and it wasn't until August when I actually left my job. So to rewind, uh, I thought I would share this story with you. So I am, let me get a drink of water before I dive into this. So I started my career in college internships at country clubs, private country clubs. Um, I did a couple of them all over the country and I loved it. I loved the fast pace. I loved the events. I loved um, the variety. So we did private events. There's restaurants. There's casual dining. It was mainly food and beverage, but we spent some time on the golf course. We spent some time at tennis. We spent some time, you know, in the locker rooms, at the front desk, the snack bar, all sorts of different areas. And I just loved all the, the different pieces that you could be, you could work in four different departments in one single day. <coughs> and so when I graduated college, my degree is in hospitality management. It is actually hotel, restaurant, and institution management. And so I chose country clubs as the food and beverage portion of things. And so I got my first full-time job um, 
the fall after I graduated, after another internship, and got into that space. And then about two years in, it was actually a really terrible place to work. Um, the, my boss was not great at all. I would say hi to him in the hallway and then he would like, it would startle him. He'd be, oh, uh, hi Chelsea. I'm like, you're the person that's supposed to be leading this organization, leading this company. And you like get startled when somebody says hi to you in the hallway. So I was there for two years and then, uh, there was a job opening at a country club in Charlotte, Charlotte country club. That's where we live now. And so my husband and I moved from Iowa to North Carolina for this position. And it was one of the best places I've ever worked. It was, I loved my team. I loved what I did. I just loved so many things about it, right? And we did all sorts of events. And as, well, here's a, here's a fun fact that you may not know. Um, I was in food and beverage management. And so my hours were typically 11 a.m. to about 9 or 10 p.m. on most nights. If I was closing the building, it would be 2 a.m. This is Tuesday through Sunday-ish. Mondays, we were closed. So just a wild and crazy schedule. Like our days off were um, usually every other Sunday and Mondays. Like that's not the typical 9 to 5. 9 to 5 was actually the goal because our schedules were so crazy. But I really loved what I was doing and so I stuck with it. The crazy thing I was going to tell you is when I got pregnant, I got married, we had a honeymoon baby and pregnant for the first time, I was like, I cannot imagine having a newborn baby at home and I'm working till two o'clock in the morning. That just is not what I want. So they created a position for me to lead the events team. There was a ton of turnover in the events department. We had two positions in three years. We had eight different event planners. Like it was just turn, turn, turn. And so they created this position for me to be the director of events and oversee not only the event department, but the event planners. Um, and that was one of like my most, I don't know, prideful moments is realizing in the uh, four years I was in that particular position, I didn't have any turnover. Like nobody, nobody left. I ended up having five full-time event planners underneath me. One did eventually move on, but we had hired her replacement about a year in advance because we knew that it was coming. So I just, I loved my team. I loved being there for them. We planned events, elaborate weddings, like crazy Christmas parties, kids events, all sorts of different things, golf tournaments, um, private dinners, corporate events, fundraisers, all sorts of events. But even as an event planner, even though I wasn't staying till the very end most nights, uh, I would still be working till like seven, eight o'clock at night. So by the time I came home, my babies were already asleep. And I was working every Saturday and it just did not jive with me. My son was born and I thought, okay, I, this is my second child. I need to find something different because this is not serving me. This is not serving my family. This is not what I want. And it took me two years to actually leave. He was, he was, uh, he was just a few months over the age of two. He had turned two a few months before, that's what I'm trying to say, by the time I actually left. And so the transition for me happened kind of like I knew this is what I wanted, but kind of on a whim. What happened was my head boss, the CEO, was my direct report, um, or I was his direct report. He had asked for goals. We did this every year at the end of the year, the beginning of the year. What are your goals for the year? And I didn't want to write them. 
because I felt like I was lying to say, hey, these are my goals. These are the things that I want to achieve. And so I told him, this is January of 2018. I told him, my goal for this year is to leave the company. And now most people, if you tell your boss that, they're going to be like, okay, see ya, out the door. Maybe you get two weeks, probably not. Um, And I ended up staying another eight months. Like that was, now that I think about it, that was so generous of him to allow me time to kind of figure out what my next steps were. But I didn't know what my next steps were at the time. So January, I like made this claim, okay, now I got to do something with it. And so I started to apply to other corporate event planning positions uh, in the area because corporate works nine to five. What we were doing with these private events is always nights, weekends, and holidays in addition to things during the during the week. Um, and I, I interviewed at a couple of places and it just did not feel right. And I was really thinking like, what is it that I'm, what is it that I, what I want to do? What am I going to do? And I thought, what if I was an administrative assistant? Like the um administrative assistant that we had, executive assistant, that was her title, to our CEO. Like she coordinated everything for the committees, the board of directors. She was like really involved with um, so much of what's happening from the organization's top level. And I thought, okay, if I can find a position like that, I would be good at that because I like coordination. I like logistics. I like putting all the pieces together, the communication aspect. And so I started thinking about could I be an executive admin somewhere? And, you know, still couldn't, doing the job search, couldn't find out what I wanted. I saw a Pinterest post about starting a virtual assistant business. And I had no idea what a virtual assistant was, but I was intrigued. So I clicked on it. What it was, was an evergreen webinar. I watched this hour long training at like 10 o'clock at night. And then she she offered a course, a 997 course on how to start this business. And I thought, holy cow, that's a lot of money. And I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what I would do, but I feel like this is the right direction. So my husband and I talked about it a lot, decided to invest in it. And I went through this evergreen course not even knowing what digital courses were, uh, definitely not even knowing what an evergreen webinar was. And I went through this course and I would work, um, come home around seven o'clock, hopefully say goodnight to my babies, and then go sit at the computer for another hour or two, kind of plugging away slowly at this course. And uh, that was April, 2018, and then I left in August of 2018 because my boss, I think was tired of me just like not going, not going anywhere, not doing anything. And he hired my replacement, which rightfully so. Nobody wants to be in that limbo area for a while. Um, And so I left, let's see, I put in my, well, the official two weeks notice, I hadn't signed any clients. My husband and I did the worst case scenario. Okay, worst case scenario, this new business of mine brings in zero dollars, knowing like his income, this little bit we had in savings, how many months could I go without bringing in any money? And we're like, okay, we have our number. This is worst case scenario. And like, let's do it. Let's try it out. We had a little bit of savings and that's what we kind of banked on. I didn't really have a plan B. It was plan A or bust. And thankfully, I signed a first, my first client 
before those two weeks were up. So by my very last day of my job, I had a client. And I started doing virtual assistant work, a little bit of everything for everyone. And over time, I thought like, oh, I don't like the idea of not being very proficient because I was doing random things. And so I gave myself the year of 2019 to continue doing a little bit of everything for everyone as a VA and then deciding what is it that I wanna focus on. And I was doing course launches for a client. I was doing some summit launches for another client and I thought I really like this launch aspect. I really like the course aspect. And so that's what I focused in on because I was already helping a couple people just randomly doing that. And so it just, for me, well, and since then, all I do is digital courses. All I do is Kajabi. Um, all I do is, t I shouldn't say all I do, but we really have narrowed down our services. So we're just doing course launches over and over again. Launch strategy, launch management, uh, the tech for the launch. That's really our core focus for our clients. So that's how my business has kind of changed over time. I've only been doing courses since the fall of 2019. Like at that point, that's when I made that decision. And from then on, that's, that's all we do. Um, but for me, I had to create this out of necessity. Like I started this business because I couldn't find anything else that I wanted to do. And that might be similar to you while you started your online business um, because you couldn't, maybe it wasn't the lifestyle that you wanted or the income that you wanted or the clientele that you wanted or the focus that you wanted. So you created this online business to mold your future into what you want it to be. You know, if I had to start all over, I think I could do it much quicker. Um, but honestly, I'd probably go back to Amy's book and be like, okay, like, give me the rundown again. What do I need to do? Give me the steps. And I think I could do it much quicker. I know it could. But I want to talk about why it relates to you. Um, maybe that was the same reason for you to start your business because you wanted something different. You wanted something different, so you started your online business. But I don't think that's necessarily why people become course creators. This is where I think there's quite a distinction between a business owner and a course creator. Because a business owner, like you start your business because you want something different. A course creator is somebody that has achieved success in a particular area and now you wanna replicate that success again. Whether that's success for yourself or success for your audience, success for your students, you've already achieved that level of success and now you wanna do it again. And, and that's something that I feel like, um, I feel like a lot of my clients can be hard on themselves and maybe you are as well because you have already achieved some level of success a lot of uh, people that we work with are coaches um, a lot are physicians um, some are lawyers like they're really successful in their standard career traditional career and then they explore this online world this online business this course creation business so they can they can expand their reach, right? They can generate more income. They can kind of have a different project to work on. They can better not only their own personal life, their family life, but also their students who, who they're able to support. 
And I, I really think that's a difference between a business owner and a course creator. They can definitely be one and the same, but the reason why you start a business and the reason why you start you launch a course, become a course creator are different things. Let me know if that like jives with you, if that's something that relates, that you find that you can relate to as well. So I definitely enjoyed the book because it really got me just thinking about all sorts of different things. And now I want to share, there's a one part that I, of Amy's book that, not part, but like a concept that I disagree with. And now that I say that out loud, I, disagree does not necessarily feel like the right word because I don't disagree with her. Uh, I don't disagree with the book, but there is one part that, uh, what do I want to say? Maybe it doesn't serve me anymore because I'm not a new business owner. I don't consider myself a new business owner. I've been doing this for five years now. Um, and it is this concept, and she even did a social media post about it that I was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And the, the post said, and it's in the book as well, we start with these businesses because we don't want somebody else to tell us what to do. And I think that is very true, definitely for me in my event planning career. I don't want somebody to tell me what to do. I did not want somebody specifically the schedule, when to work. I was working nights, I was working weekends, I was working holidays, um, like Easter just happened. And I realized, man, had I still been at this job, I would have worked at least a nine hour day on Easter because that was my event. I was like the head of uh, Easter planning. And it's just, you know, to see that difference, I don't, I didn't want somebody to dictate my schedule. I didn't want somebody, I didn't want to have to ask for time off to say, hey, I want to spend some time with my family at Christmas and realize Christmas is our busiest time. So sure, you can do it in January. Sure, you can do it in February. Legit, when I was working at the club, uh, both, well, any of the clubs, for Christmas, we'd often celebrate with our families in January and even February because that's when we could get time off especially because we were all over the country and, you know, had to find time to travel. Um, so the concept was you start this business because you don't want somebody else to tell you what to do. But five years into this business, and I've shared this with you, and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's just you and me in this conversation. Um, maybe you're listening to this on the podcast and washing the dishes or walking the dog or something, but I, I feel like I can share this with you. Um, five years in, I feel like I've hit this plateau, not a wall, not a block, but just a plateau where like things have been going really well. And then they just, they, I don't know, they kind of like, what's the word plateau? They just stay there. Like it's not moving up. And I find myself thinking, I wish somebody would just tell me what to do. Right? Like Amy's post, we started this business because we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. But for me at this point, Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I just need somebody to tell me what to do because I'm trying a bunch of different things. I'm testing out a, a bunch of different options and launches and programs and going through all courses and coaching and all the things. I'm like, can't somebody just tell me what to do? And of course, that's not possible. There's guidance, uh, there's support, um, there's opinion, there's advice, but truly the only person is me that can tell me what to do. So it's, it was just a kind of this funny concept that like where I'm at in five years of business is not the same as somebody that is starting off uh, in their business. And really what it comes down to, again, this is just you and me talking about this point is it's, it comes down to me not trusting myself. 
me not trusting myself that I can make decisions for my business. Even though I take the courses, I read the books, I have the coaches, I've got to learn to trust myself and continue moving forward. And I definitely am moving forward, um, but I am working to reprogram my thoughts uh, and doing a whole bunch of specific coaching with this so that I do feel that I'm worthy, that I'm self-assured, that I'm competent, that I'm autonomous, that I'm all these things so that I don't need somebody else to tell me what to do. So that's the part that just kind of, I don't know if it really... It just kind of struck a chord. And that's not anything about what Amy Porterfield has to say. That's my own personal, uh, my murky middle, right? With this series, we talk about what's, it's that murky middle where we don't know what's in front of us. It's murky, it's cloudy, we can't really see clearly, but we're just still swimming. We're just kind of going through it still. Um, I do think there's a healthy approach though to it. When And I see this with um, some of my clients as well, our private clients, where they say, Chelsea, just tell me what to do. And I, it's not because they don't trust themselves. It's because they have made the decision that they want somebody else to lead this project, somebody else to guide them through a course launch. And they will say things like, Chelsea, tell me exactly what I need to do. Give me a checklist. Tell me where things are at that I need to review, approve, what I need to provide, and I'll do it. Tell me when my due dates are. And that's something that, um, you know, I love that I can be able to do that for our clients because we do these launches all the time where we can say, this week you're gonna focus on these two things. Next week you're gonna focus on these three things. And then my team and I are handling all of the tech in the background. Um, so I think there is a healthy component of having somebody else tell you what to do, but when it's a decision made on, because that's the best use of your best use of your time as an entrepreneur, best use of your resources, best use of your energy. So that's where I'm trying to like flip it for myself. Do I want somebody to quote unquote, tell me what to do because I don't trust myself or because I'm in the position where I want somebody else to take the lead on that certain project that I'm working on. So lots to think about. Um, there's no like big in conclusion, I've got it all figured out, right? This is an open conversation. There's not necessarily like a huge aha moment, but I wanted to just share some of my thoughts um, that really came about as I was reading Amy's book. So if you found this helpful, let me know. We can continue this conversation. Uh, but at the very least, did you read Amy's book? Tell me what you thought. I would love to... Um, Love to get your take on it as well. All right, I'll share more for you uh, as time comes. And until then, I will see you next time.